name is Brie Castellini, and I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to not be vaccinated. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether or not it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end, where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, or anyone even remotely associated with the Burn Notice cinematic universe, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and absolutely no criticism of any kind, both to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter, at burnnoticedpod. And as always, that is burnnoticed with a D, and both with an L. I can't wait till I am fully 100% vaccinated and can do this podcast without wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, as as of course you've probably heard in our audio for the past year or so, we uh, record in fully different states uh, with masks on because you can't be too safe, family. You can't be you too safe. You cannot be too safe. It's impossible. Yeah, and every time Chris stops talking, I uh, sanitize the uh, the earbuds that I'm wearing because yeah, I mean course. I don't know if her spit has like traveled through the airwaves into my ear, but like I don't want her spit in my ear. So you know I got to make sure that I'm I'm staying safe. I'm doing my part. I saw on Facebook that the virus travels through five G. Yeah, yeah, and actually three G. So even if you have an older model phone. That 3G is also not very safe. Also, LTE stands for lay transmittable EWEs. So uh, the LTE signal can also. Yeah. So if basically, <laughs> if you have if you have an even numbered G, you're fine. But if you have an odd numbered G, you are not fine. Mm-hmm. And you probably yeah, already is... have the virus. Hashtag 4G is only is the only safe one. Hashtag 4G for life. 4G for life. Oh my god. Do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Burn Notice, the television show that we watched? Yes. Season five, episode five of five of Burn Notice, which was called Square One, came out July twenty first, two thousand eleven. It was written by our Twitter follower Peter L- Peter Lalianus and his frequent writing partner Ryan Johnson, and was directed by Mark Roskin, which is a uh, regular ish. Burn Notice directors. This is his second out of five, I think, Burn Notice episodes he directed. And there's nothing else interesting about him. So let's move on to the IMDb description of this episode, which reads, Michael volunteers to help the CIA find Max's killer, even though he is the prime suspect. At the same time, he helps out a former army sniper who wants revenge on the people who nearly beat his sister to death. Here's the thing. If your name is two syllables and the second syllable is skin, your name is Foreskin. There's just no way around it. I'm sorry, Mark Foreskin. I mean, Mark Roskin. I don't know where this rule came from. This news to me. Please come on our show. Yeah, Mark, if you want to stop by, Peter, if you can get Mark to come by, or Peter, if you would like to come by, we would love to have you. Yeah, please, Peter, come on our show. No one's ever compared the name Peter to dicks at all. And I might even learn to pronounce your name correctly if you do. Otherwise, I'll start just really butchering it in a way that's going to be frankly offensive. So I guess I'm blackmailing you to come on our podcast now. Come on our podcast, yeah, Peter. Come on. It's fine. It's safe. It's totally safe. I've, yeah, we, we're we three won't call you Big Daddy Lalayanus or anything. We'll be yeah. real nice. <laughs> Brie, let's go into the weeds. Let's go into the weeds before we get into any more trouble. So the f- first thing that happens is a previously on Burn Notice segment, which felt very unnecessary, given that the only thing that was previously on is, hey, remember Max? He's dead now. <laughs> like, that's it. And it's like, yeah, we know Burn Notice. It happened 
last week. We saw him die. We know exactly what's happening, but apparently they're trying something new out because they're worried that we didn't know what was happening. Next episode does not have a previously on burn notice, so it's very strange why this one does. Here's the thing. Other episodes have had previously ons, but they've never had text that said previously on. Like that was the I guess that's true, yeah. But like, like even when it does happen, it's usually like more episodes removed from yeah. the thing that they're trying to remind us of. This exactly. one it was like, this is fully unnecessary, y'all. And it wasn't Max even like is dead. Was a, Uh-oh. <laughs> it wasn't even like there was a gap. Exactly. Literally last week we saw the man die. Yeah. And and we know he's a CIA boy. That's like the whole thing. And that's all that the previous Leon told us. It's very it was a very, very strange choice. But anyways, the episode proper starts uh with a team melting down the gun that killed Max that had Michael's handprints all over it and whatnot, because it implicates Michael. Uh Jesse comes in as they're doing this to say that he gave them all alibis on Key West so that they couldn't be implicated that way. In terms of Max's murder, and we also learn that, I uh, that Fee was annoyed oh. that at the implication that they were in Key West, which I <laughs> yeah, feel like is that... a f- Miami joke that I do not get. Exactly, like I was like, maybe there's something about Key West that's like bad. I guess is Key I don't West know. the Jersey of Miami. I wonder if it is. I feel like they've gone to Key West before, though. Like it's it's been a. I mean, location. I've gone to Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like I I. I uh, yeah, apparently Hands this is some sort of Miami Jersey. joke. <laughs> I've gone to Jersey. I once got in an Uber in New York to go to somewhere else in New York, and I was taken to Jersey. Oh my god, that's not good. No, it's not good. I was kidnapped and taken to Jersey. Anyways, someone who isn't kidnapped is Michael Weston, but he is going to kidnap someone eventually in this episode. Don't you worry. But uh, the next thing Michael has to do is go check in with the CIA who have taken over the case, uh, because of course they have, and meet a case officer who really wants to talk to Michael about his involvement. You made a point in your notes to talk about his hair. I hate his hair. It is bad. It's extremely bad. It's like the wrong length. Like they don't. But it's, it's not, not even just... the length that's the problem. It's just like the styling it's and just, cut. They're not like doing anything with it. It's like literally. It's half just there the time, on his head. It's just there on his head. Half the time, like it feels like no one has even touched it. Yeah, he's a spy who's doing things, but like on television, like everyone has like nice hair. The fact that like he's just there with like hair that you would see at Walmart. <laughs> Michael Weston's got that Walmart hair. Got that Walmart hair is wild. I don't know why this show hates making its cast look good. I mean, I feel like Michael is the one that gets the worst of it. Jesse gets the looks worst. fine and Jesse Fee looks gets fine. to look good. Fee gets to look okay. I feel like like Fee gets to look the best. But even then, I feel like a lot of her looks are just sort of forgettable. Sam is always wearing those shirts. Like, no one... Well, Bruce Campbell kind of comes with a uniform, right? I mean, kind of, but not really. I don't feel like this is a particularly Bruce Campbell uniform. It like The Hawaiian shirt? Of... I can't yeah. see Bruce Campbell outside of a Hawaiian shirt. I don't know. I feel like Bruce Campbell wearing Hawaiian shirts is like a... I mean, I think it's a thing that happened around this time, but I don't think it was like... It wasn't like they hired Bruce Campbell and they were like, well, you got to put Bruce Campbell in a Hawaiian shirt. That's the, like, that's the iconography that people expect. I think he just independently started wearing Hawaiian shirts a lot more around this time. 
He's a laid back sugar baby. Leave him alone. <laughs> so anyways, so Michael heads to meet the new CAA case agent, Agent Pierce, a lady at the murder scene, all somber like, you know, oh, Max was his friend, blah, blah, blah. She's identified by the lower third as a CIA bloodhound. And the dog metaphor just keeps on giving in a little bit. Um, she's immediately suspicious of Michael, of course, and has him play the killer in their role play of the murder. And she's absolutely right about like <laughs> the various ways that Michael Weston interacted with this crime scene despite you know pretending that it's just a veiled so the killer did this and then in yeah, case no, she the lower starts she starts the scene being like hey let's pretend you're the killer just for shits and giggles and then <laughs> yeah. walks into the crime scene like this is what you did i mean theoretically if you were the killer yeah like, exactly but then she really kind good. of drops it pretty fast through really no evidence to the contrary we can talk about that next week because that's more of a more of a case of last of next week but at first she's very suspicious of him and we're set up to believe maybe she's going to be an antagonistic new CIA contact for Michael, but who knows? She also compares herself, in case the lower third wasn't enough, to her pit bull at home, who she claims she learned investigation from, but basically, like, she's using it as a metaphor to say, like, I'm gonna, I can be loyal if you don't turn on me, and then at the end, she, like, turns around after this very weird dog metaphor, saying, um, and I can also be a very, very determined bitch when I want something, and then, like, leaves, and I'm like y'all why does this woman have to call herself a bitch and compare herself to a dog twice because she's in this episode this episode (laughs) is a lot can i say though i like this character yeah i do too i think she's fun i I think she's way more interesting than uh moon shoes lady from two seasons ago whenever that was much more no here's part of it's i like this actress She's great. I know her from season one of Community. Yeah, she's in Community. She's one of the professors that she's Jeff like professor. Winger has a relationship with. Yeah, uh, she's, she's been yeah. in everything. Mm-hmm. Like she's on Grey's Anatomy, and she was on like. A, she just has a really good stuff. presence. Like she just she feels does. like she walks into a scene and she's like, "This is my scene now," and I really like yeah. that for her. Here's the thing about this, and like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna make a big thing about this. <laughs> I'm gonna say this once, and like not make a huge thing about it like in general sure i like because then again i saw her in community and i remember like and i think she has really good presence there and like part of the reason that she works really well on community is that she's the only person who ever dates jeff that seems age appropriate (laughs) but anyway but i remember watching her in community and like watching her in this and immediately going i find her very attractive she's cute i don't know there's something about like her that's like very like hitting a type of mine are you also I'm into learning? christina Milotti? i feel like they could oh. be related oh i super am but like yeah it's a good look um but like their also whole just, deal like, the vibe. big brown eyes the dark but, hair like, the intense facial expressions yeah no it's a good look but also just like her vibe so like i like despite the fact that the scene is terribly written it like worked on me <laughs> I was like, I like. No, here's the, I watched this scene and I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I don't know why you think we're not going to talk about this, Chris. This has become the episode now. Last week we talked about uh, Ben Watkins's fetish about small women emasculating large men, and now we're going to talk about Chris Cherry's uh, fetish of being mm, dominated by strong, big, brown-eyed ladies. I mean. Everyone's got a thing. Everyone does have a thing. Your thing is big noses. My thing is big noses. And just Tessa Thompson. Period. I mean, yeah. End of sentence. Tessa Thompson is everyone's thing. It's true. She's she she was my sexual awakening. 
or my bisexual awakening, I guess. Uh, anyways, <laughs> enough about that. Uh, so after this little stare down with the bitch Pierce, uh, Michael and Fee had to meet a client recommended to them by Michael's old CO at Carlitos. Michael's old CO recommended a client to them. The kid is a former army sniper named Ethan, who we learned beat Michael's old sharpshooting record back at one of the places where they train for those sorts of things. And Michael seems a little bit miffed to be, uh, you know, undercut by this young whippersnapper um Who and the case we're immediately week, establishing is that like this is baby michael sure yeah like, and that's yeah. something that continues through the rest of the episode it's very yeah. much ethan is michael before he became michael weston um so the case of the week is that ethan's sister has a dirtbag boyfriend who nearly beat her to death and now ethan wants to murder him and michael is like well we kind of do spycraft over violence over here so if you want my help we're gonna do the spycraft part and ethan's like fine but i have to be there every step of the way and i want to at least give him a broken nose blah 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 and michael's like all right fine and i at first thought that this meant that this was going to be a no jesse episode because like that's a lot of people involved in the case of the week, but I was incorrect, thankfully. Jesse is in this episode a handful of times. So Michael heads to a meeting with Pierce, and then Sam and Fee get dressed up in suits to spook Brandon the dirtbag out of hiding, and Ethan tags along with them. So the the plan so far to get him to come out of hiding is that Sam and Fee pretend like Brandon, the dirtbag boyfriend, is owed 2K from like a class action lawsuit, and they ask her to hand it off to him. And so they're like, either the woman will leave to give her son the check, or he will come to her either way will be ready so they go and settle in for a stakeout that's basically all that happens in that scene nothing very interesting is going on except for ethan of course is very like antsy like oh we have to do this i have to kill him blah, blah, blah. and it's like oh boy okay you're gonna be a problem this is an episode about men's emotions about women in a way that w- women are not relevant like this is like one of the most like like bird notice for men episodes that we've seen in a while mm-hmm. yeah i did very much get that vibe so anyways michael and pierce discuss their lack of leads and michael covertly suggests that maybe an unofficial person could be faster without the red tape in investigating this whole max murder and pierce covertly agrees there's a lot of just like very short scenes with michael and pierce just to sort of establish like yeah they're still working on it yeah they met up yeah they know what's going on uh, but most of them are fairly uninteresting after the dog metaphor scene so we're gonna move on <laughs> michael then takes the next shift with ethan for the stakeout as he goes through uh, uh, the phone records of from places I think it was like the phone records of every phone call that happened around Max's office on the day that he was killed and so he's sort of like going through that Ethan is of course still impatient about how in Afghanistan things were simpler and Michael Wesson's like well okay you know that like the things that were simple for you were made simple because people like me did boring shit like this to tell you where to go do your shooty gun thing. And Ethan's like, and then, you know, (laughs) another thing that's important when they introduce Ethan, I forget if you said, is that Ethan's people, like the CIA is headhunting Ethan. Oh yeah. He's not sure that he wants to be, a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of his arc of this episode. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it gets mentioned twice. Uh, once in the beginning, once at the end, but that's very, yeah, I did forget to say that. Yeah, when they were at Cal- yeah. Carlitos, he was like, yeah, people think that we're the same because we're both snipers and I'm actually a better sniper than you. Haha, old man. And also the CIA is trying to recruit me, but I don't know. It doesn't really seem my vibe. And I agree. It doesn't really seem his vibe until no, the doesn't. end. 
when their growth happens. Anyways, so luckily Ethan doesn't have to wait too much longer to get a little bit of action in because Brandon shows up at his mom's place and, you know, he wants to immediately go like intercept him. But Michael's like, no, 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 wait till he comes back. And then they kidnap him in his own car, which I thought was clever. It it turns out very quickly that Brandon's actually not the perpetrator. And luckily we don't really have to see him much after this because Brandon is like, nope, it wasn't me. It was my boss because you can tell that Brandon has also gotten a beach down and clearly there is more to this story. So back at the loft. Because there always has to be like a criminal that he can take down. It's like that one episode where like the guy was suicidal because like, like his kid was sick and it was like, I can't afford my kid being sick because I lost all my money in a scam. And it's like lots of people just can't afford to pay kids medical bills without having been scammed because they're poor. But burn notice can't solve that problem. <laughs> well, so it's like every time someone has a problem, it has to be converted into a problem that burn notice can solve, which is means that like there's a loan shark or some sort of scammer that they can deal with. Yeah, this time the scammer is a medical insurance scammer of some kind. I was not really paying attention to the intricate details of this dude's thing. Um, But basically what has happened is that Brandon works for this medical insurance scammer named Brad Ramsey. He skimmed off of Brad Ramsey's money because he wanted to take the sister out for like a nice weekend or something. Brad Ramsey found out and beat the shit out of both of them. So now he, they're, you know, the sister's in the hospital, the boyfriend's on the run and Brad Ramsey is our actual target of the week. There's like a little bit of a scuffle where like Ethan gets impatient and punches him in the face and then Michael has to play like good cop, bad cop to get the guy to actually like open up um, and to once again establish that Ethan is a little bit of a rough boy and will definitely need to be quelled if he's going to be this involved. Yeah, he is a rowdy boy and he needs to be taken to task before he ruins everything. But don't worry, we'll get to that. Burn Notice did like the same plot, but it was with a child. Oh yeah, the kid that was shooting the guy from Better Off Ted. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like this person like hurt my mama or whatever. So I'm gonna shoot him with a gun. <laughs> yeah, that's you're totally right. I completely forgot about that episode. Listen, there's only like three burn notice the, plots. <laughs> it's weird that they did that version first. Yeah, because Michael was like a father figure for that kid too. Yeah, it's like weird that like. Someone looked at that episode and was like, oh, what if we tried a weird, wacky thing and it wasn't a child that wants to shoot another person? But it was but a grown fact, man. Like a, who, who was in the army. Yep. That's wild. I don't think it's wild. Again, there are like three burn notice plots. We know this. No, I'm saying it's wild that like a grown man who was in the army could want to shoot someone. Yeah, that doesn't seem like what the army breeds out breeds into young men. Anyways, yeah. uh, we have a very brief scene with Ethan and Michael in the hospital looking over Ethan's sister, who used to be beautiful. Um, oh my god, I hated now. that line so much. Oh, yeah. It, like, yeah. Literally, like, she used to be beautiful. Like, oh my god. Like, like that's her only fuck? value. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. No, it's like, not episode. like she was so funny. I hope she can still tell jokes after that. Or like something like more specific or about like, like the relationship between this brother and his sister. But no, it's like she used to be pretty, but then she got the shit kicked out of her. And now what's what's good with for, for her? Like, what is she good or for now? Just like, oh my god, I hope she gets better because she's my sister. Or just like, she's a person in pain. This is awful. Mm-hmm. No person should have to have this happen to them. It doesn't matter what. Like quality. I mean, an ugly person kind of had it coming, but a pretty person, we can't have that. Anyways, 
It's also a weird thing for a brother to say about his it's sister. It's such a weird thing. That's some for like a Folgers. That's, that's, that's some like Folgers holiday commercial type it shit. Is. <laughs> Anyways, they should have leaned into it. <laughs> At least it would have felt like a choice. This kid, by the way, the guy that plays Ethan was in Friday Night Lights. And yeah, I he's in Friday Night Lights, yeah. He's yeah, and he looks like stuff. it. He looks like a guy who would have been in Friday Night Lights. No, he so, super does. So after this very, very brief scene, which is basically just there to establish that, like, this is personal, even though no shit it's personal, we go on to our next stakeout where we are going to finally find uh, Ramsey. And we also meet Joel, who basically doesn't come up until like one scene 20 minutes later and then doesn't come up again. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> so we meet Joel and Ramsey. Ramsey's the big bad guy. And so the plan so far is that Michael is going to go undercover and Ethan, of course, insists on going along, which is going to be a terrible idea. Everyone knows it, but, you know... We agreed the kid has to come along. So uh, they all head to a party that Ramsey is throwing. Um, and Sam and Ethan I do like make this an approach. Idea. I do like, because a lot of times we have like the client that's like really frustrated, but it's like normally that just means that we cut the scenes of them being frustrated. But like now it's kind of like, oh, we have this character. Like that's a, that feels new. That feels kind of fresh. Yeah, and, and I think like, it, I, I, we always like it when the clients are put into a position where they have to, like, be a part of the case in order to make yeah. it work. Um, and sort of the complications of working with civilians, the complications with working with somebody who's, like, so personally involved in a, a particular problem. And, you know, there, there's some interesting things going on here. Um, but, you know, on a practical level, fucking terrible idea. Really, really bad idea. Yeah, but here's the thing. When a man is upset because a woman was hurt, then, like, we have to do anything that we can for that man. <laughs> Way course, more than we have to right. do for, like, the woman who was hurt. Like, well, that's less She important. just needs a man to avenge her, and then she's fine. She'll, she won't need any therapy after this. She won't need any, you know, yeah. reconstructive surgery or physical therapy or anything like that. She's going to be fine because she was avenged by a stronger boy. Anyway, so the strong, strong boy is uh, heading into the party with Sam. And as soon as Sam is in a suit, I'm immediately like, oh, hell yeah, Chuck Finley's coming back. And he's not. I don't think, like, anybody in this uh, scam, like, it, from the crew has a name except no, no for Jesse. Jesse does and we'll reveal it when we get to jesse but I like yeah, nobody Jesse's has a name, name. <laughs> what i forgot what it was i can't believe you forgot what it was it i had to like pause it to laugh because i thought it was so funny but anyways so sam and ethan make the approach they pitch him basically on like hey you see this little stupid scam that you've got this like little cute house well we've got a way bigger scam that you can be involved in so you might want to call us uh come to our party it'll be great and he's like mm, okay our house is bigger yeah, our house is bigger, our pool is bigger, our girls' tits are bigger, everything's bigger when you come over to our side. Uh, and Ramsey's like, ah, I don't know, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. And they're like, okay, bye. So then Jesse visits Michael at the loft, which looks homey for once, and then teases him about it before getting down to business. This is sort of a runner throughout the episode about like how much Fee has like feminized the loft. Yeah, and it's painted like as like this intrusive bad thing, even though it fucking looks great and looks like somebody finally lives here. Yeah, no, I know. It's like, because it's all part of this thing. Like all the like guy characters come in and are like, ugh, it's so girly now. <laughs> Sam at one point is like, what happened to your workbench? They're like, it's like one step away from them walking in and being like, man, can we can't even play Xbox in here. <laughs> we have to go play Xbox in the basement now. Wow, you're so whipped, Michael. 
Right. And oh like Michael God. acts like he's kind of put out by it, but I bet Michael Weston fucking loves that it smells like potpourri. Are you kidding no, me? Totally. I bet Michael Weston loves that there's like little plants everywhere and like there's furniture that he can put his yogurt spoons on, you know? Like I think I Michael Weston's just putting on a show for his boyfriends. I'll be totally 100%. But also like if this was like a slightly better episode, like Sam would have been all on board. Right? That was like honestly something that surprised me, especially because his his uh, new lady friend is mentioned a couple times in this episode. But like, yeah, Sam absolutely is somebody who Sam has ex- like canonically enemies. he canonically loves the finer things in life, and he loves having a woman's touch on a variety yeah. of things. Like he's always moving into their places. You know, he's not he doesn't have a bachelor pad. He has he sleeps he, his bachelor pad is Michael Weston's house until he finds a new lady to live with. You know, so like it just it very much seems like a strange little side quest for this episode to be like, ugh, girly stuff. I hate it. Yeah. But this is an episode about man things. <laughs> man talk. Um, exactly. Remember that from James Bond? Yeah. I think he says man talk and then he spanks a woman. He spanks a woman. It's a whole moment. It's a whole it's ass a moment. It's a whole ass moment. Literally. Um, yeah. anyways, <laughs> so Jesse is coming to the loft to be snide about the new decorations because he, with his new big fancy job, got to use like a thing to hunt down all of the calls that were made. And he has narrowed down like where the suspicious phone call came from to one. And it was from a burner phone at like a nearby bodega. So he is like, all right, me and I, I'll go check it out. It was, it was from a burner phone that was bought like from a nearby bodega right yeah yeah burner phone burner phone i actually didn't know it was a i had to go back and write this note because i i thought that he, that he just said payphone at a bodega because he definitely he mentions that like there's security footage that they can go through so that's what they need to go get so i was just like oh there must be security footage of the call i, I was not paying attention i did not care about this but anyways there's a guy with a burner phone that they got to go find so in the middle of this little chat with jesse sam calls michael to let him know that they have everything in place for their party to impress ramsey uh who is officially on the hook he has he's called sam or ethan whoever he called and was like, hey, I, I'm interested. And they're like, cool, come to our party. And the impressive stuff that they're going to show off is going to be care of Sam's new lady friend. She's lending them her mansion and like a fancy car to make a nice splash, which I think is cute. If you'll remember, is, though, the last time Sam's her- lady friend loaned them a car, they drove it off a building. <laughs> yeah, so he is very worried about this. My question, is his lady friend lending them the women? I don't think so. I think it's just the like location. I bet they just put out a casting call for like, hey, hotties, you want a cool place to party? I was wondering. I was just like, because there's so many women there, like a truly large amount of women. Mm hmm. Well, everything is bigger with this scam, Chris. It's the whole thing. Are they paying these women? Where are they getting the money to pay these women? I bet that they just threw a good party and like got the word out. You know, I don't think it's that hard to get like people in Miami to come to a party in a mansion. I mean, that's fair. I don't know. I don't know when parties happen. People don't invite me to parties. Yeah, I think that that's a I I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear that you and I are not really uh, invited to parties, but we would be great at them when we can go to them again. Yeah. <laughs> Invite us to parties, burn notice people. Invite us to all the cool burn notice parties. But not oh, yeah, in Miami. I really don't want to go to Florida. Fuck it. I'll, no, I mean, like, I'll go. Fuck it. Okay, you can you can get Chris to go. I'm a girl now. I'm more valuable at parties. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, so speaking of being valuable at parties, Ethan is still kind of down on the whole spy work thing because he really just wants to like kick this dirtbag's ass. But like they are like, come on, Ethan, just go with the flow. And so, you know, Ethan puts it on and um, introduces Ramsey to a bunch of people at the party, including Fast Eddie, who is Jesse. How could you forget that Jesse's name is Fast Eddie? It is pretty good. It's very good. Um, and so Jesse's cover is that he's the mastermind of like their particular brand of the insurance scam. But like, he also isn't the boss. Like at first I was like, wait, where's Michael? Is Michael not the boss? But then like we hear a loud motor outside the house and uh, Fiona goes, oh, the boss is here. And I was like, wait, so the mastermind isn't the boss? Okay. Well, no, <laughs> I the way I understand it is that Fast Eddie is like the nerd facetti is the computer guy got it like just like the way that they were introducing him and like especially the fact that he is the only one with a name and also is the only one that's actually given any level of detail about what the scam actually is it sort of seemed like he was going to be the boss it did a little bit no i get what you're saying and i was confused i did wonder why (laughs) michael wasn't involved in the scam it's like exactly a scam all set up but he is involved. He is the boss. Also unnamed. Does Michael's alias ever get a name? I don't remember. He's just the boss. Yeah, I think he's just the boss. But uh, the boss rolls up in like that hot red convertible that we saw Sam polishing earlier in the scene. And they have a little back and forth. And then Ramsey's like, this kind of still seems too good to be true. I kind of think you might be cops. And Michael's like, would a cop do this? And he makes a Molotov cocktail and like blows up Ramsey's car. And Ramsey gets pissed, of course. But then and Michael like wrestles him to turn around and shows him Jesse's uh, Porsche convertible and is like, that's your new car. It's the thinking car. Go drive it around and think on it for a little bit. And so he's like, okay, fine. He drives off and Jesse's like, dude, what the fuck? That's my car. And Michael's like, it'll be fine. Yeah, I know. I like that it was clearly like an audible, like it wasn't a plan. He was just like, oh, fuck, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> By the way, uh, say, here's your new car. What I love about this is they're like, hey, would a cop like burn a car? And I, and like, I'm pretty sure last week, a, an FBI agent burned a motorcycle. <laughs> like, yeah, no, a cop would definitely burn a car. You wouldn't steal a car. Also, like, real talk, when protests are happening, cops kept cars on fire so they can arrest people around them. Like, that's the thing that happens. Yeah, well, good to know. Uh, And confirmed that this alias is unnamed. Uh, The only person named, the only person's uh, alias named in this episode is Eduardo Fast Eddie, who is Jesse. Because thanks to the Burn Notice wiki, there is a whole list of character aliases. So I could look it up. But yeah, he's he's just scam artist boss (laughs) is the uh, is the alias. Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie, who is the nerd? Jesse gets cast as the nerd a lot, which I think is interesting. Yeah, it, it's very against type for what I think you would expect, like a person who looks like Jesse to be. And I don't know if I hate it. I don't know if I hate it either. Part of me wonders if it's because, like, they still need, like, Michael to seem like the biggest alpha. Like, well, but in the last one that Jesse was a nerd in, Michael was also not an alpha. Like, he was the sniveling idiom guy. I mean, that's true, but, like, I feel like they do it to Jesse more consistently. Just to put him in his place. You're not yeah, Mr. Burn exactly. Notice. No, yeah, so it, so the viewers at home don't go, why does not the biggest one eat the other ones? 
<laughs> well, whatever the case, Jesse Fast Eddie is the only one with a name, uh, which is a crying shame because anyone who runs with a, a guy like Fast Eddie deserves an equally stupid name. So now that what's his name, Ramsey, has dr dr driven off in the thinking car, Sam, Ethan, and Michael debrief again. Ethan is still mad at how long this is taking. Sam notices that Michael's workbench is in the back now because of Fee. Um, I actually think that the reasoning that it is in the back now is great because the Queen of Boundaries has said, hey, we should probably not mix work and like our life quite so much. That has only caused strife. And so she moved it to the back of the place. It's not like she moved it out of the house, but now they have to build a bug and a nice watch on the other side of the apartment. Ugh, the humanity. It's just, yeah, it's like, no, it is nicer. It's such a weird thing. Yeah, no, like it would have been so much better if Sam was just on board with it. I, yes, I agree. I think that would have been a much more fun choice. And uh, no offense, Peter, Michael Horowitz would absolutely have done that. Oh, 100%. So the next gift that they're going to give Ramsey after the car is a watch. The next Ramsey meeting after the watch exchange, Michael <laughs> is hitting golf balls as Sam like shoots at them. Like they're doing a like, clay pigeon shoot. And it's very yeah, funny and chaotic. This is amazing. <laughs> this I is love, a really like, good setup. I love, I really love their idea of psychotic rich people. Like, <laughs> well, like, yeah, no, it's so funny. He like, yeah, he's like, they've, They've combined golfing and like yeah, skeet shooting. Skeet into shooting, one that's what thing. it's called. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a choice. It's, it's very funny. So good. It's really, really funny. There's one point where Mike Michael hits a ball that Sam wasn't expecting, and he has to like turn around really fast and shoot off a couple of shots, and it's yeah. and he's just like the wild-eyed like, look. <laughs> he's like shooting the golf balls with like a handgun. Yeah, and it's like not a very like, like a blinged out one something. too. <laughs> no, yeah. it's yeah, it's not about like having the right tools. It's about having the right set of mind, state of mind. Yeah, it's extremely funny. I enjoyed that it's sequence really a lot good. because the rest of the scene is sort of boring. Which is that Ramsey is like, okay, I'm in. Here's one sheet of paper about my details, and they're like, fuck you, dude. This is nothing because basically, like the premise of their uh, current scam against the scammer is that they they're trying to pitch this to him like they are a bigger play like they have a big operation they're trying no to buy Miami him context out. yeah they're they're trying to do a merger essentially so like they're yeah. coming in they need to see his books before the merger and once they have that then you know they'll give him lots of money for it and they need the details so that they can turn him over to the police but like he's you know obviously suspicious <laughs> of somebody wanting that much information about his stuff and is giving them very little and you know as a result Things are taking longer, which, of course, Ethan hates. And so they're like, you got to give us more details than this. And Ramsey's like, OK, I'll think about it and leaves. Fee and Jesse dress up as like dirty kind of cops to get the security footage from the burner phone that Max killer Max's killer used. Like, they're definitely dirty cops. Yeah. The, when I reread the spy tip, I was like, yeah, they're trying to play dirty cops. But like the, the spy tip explains how this works. And I thought it was a pretty good spy tip, even though I was clearly not paying attention during the actual run of the episode. They get the tapes and they also get a free pack of smokes because. <gasps> Madeline's helping so um, Michael Weston drops off stuff at Maddie's house so that she can look through the security footage for them with her new free pack of smokes and the only other thing that happens in this scene is Madeline's like well fine I have some free time because I'm boycotting my favorite soap because like the lead guy left it broke his engagement and moved to Alaska and Michael's like oh no that's too bad <laughs> here's the thing here's what women do Brie they decorate your house and move your stuff around they they get over-invested in soap operas, and they get beaten up, and then you have to be upset about it. 
Those are the things that women do. Women have three moods. Almost dead, moving your shit, love and soaps. And lie. That's true. Women are... Bitches do be lying. Yeah. So, So then... While this is happening, the team plus Ethan listens in on the bug that they put in the watch. And finally, Joel makes a new appearance. Joel, remember him? He worked for Ramsey. And Ramsey's like trying to get the details to the scam or something. He needs Joel for something or other. And Joel's like, dude, why would we give you that? We've been talking and we think you're kind of a loose cannon. Who are these fucking people? And Ethan's like, oh, no, they're not falling for it. And then one of the two guys, I think probably Ramsey is like, oh, what are you worried about? that that girl in the hospital i'll just go kill her and ethan obviously doesn't like that and he's like i'm gonna go get some air and immediately you're like oh okay so he's gonna go get him um and then we hear a car start and it's like yeah of course he's gonna go get him that's this kid's whole thing so uh jesse and fee who are the only ones present are like all right well shit we gotta go stop this kid he's going to absolutely murder this dude so they get you know, they rush to the scene of where they know Ramsey is going to show up. Fee immediately is like, he's not going to just like hit him in the street. This kid's a sniper. He's probably got a perch somewhere. They find his perch, but it's too late to go stop him because Ramsey has pulled up. So Fee's plan is to shoot at Ramsey herself to like scare him off. And um, she's like, I'm just going to shoot it through the windshield, Jesse. Don't worry. Your car's going to be fine. But then there's one other shot that gets off by the sniper post by Ethan. And it shoots like the whole bumper off of the car. No. And Jesse is so upset. What happens is she's like, I'm just going to shoot your windshield. She shoots the windshield. He panics and like jumps a curb. Mm. Like he just like just drives like over like a like fucking like grass thing and like wrecks the car that way. Well, in either case, the car is pretty fucked up. Ethan is pretty pissed, as is everyone else, because they're like, Ethan, what the fuck? Stop shooting at people. So they all reconvene at Maddie's house for some reason. Maddie watches all the boys argue with Ethan, and then she counsels Michael to give the kid a break, because isn't he kind of like little you? And Michael's like, ugh. Specifically, yeah, maybe. she tells a story. She's like, look at him like being upset out there. Remember when you just got back from the army and you were young? And you were upset because this boy stole your girlfriend? And Michael's like, I don't know if that's the same thing. And then Madeline's like, but isn't it the same thing? (laughs) Isn't it the same thing when you lose a girl because, like, she doesn't want to date you anymore and starts dating someone else? Isn't that the same thing as if a man beating up a woman? (laughs) Either way, the girl has been taken from you. And -hmm. you're upset about it. Your possession has been stolen. Yeah. But whatever, you know, that that speech works because, of course, it does. She's absolutely right. Uh, Michaels goes out, has a has a hard talk with Ethan and is like, listen, she's right there. The same thing. <laughs> she is absolutely right. She is totally correct. Michael finally gets through to Ethan about like, hey, I promise you, if we do this just right, it'll you'll get what you want. I promise. And Ethan's like, fine. Uh, so then Michael and Ethan head to Ramsey to convince him to turn on his crew, uh, turn them into the cops. Like basically they're like using the fact that the guy got shot at to their advantage because he does seem pretty freaked out. And they're like, all right, we can use this. We're going to pretend like it was his guys who got suspicious and like, you know, we're, we're being all butthurt about the fact that they're not in this new cool scam that we're running to like get him to turn on his friends. And uh, that, that works because we're in the last 10 minutes of the episode. So it has to work. And the final thing that they do before, like they head off to the next phase is that Ethan helps 
Ramsey burn his own house down because they're like, you can't have any trace. You've had so many parties here. These guys' fingerprints are all over it. If you're going to turn them over to the cops, you can't be implicated. So let's burn your fucking house down. And I kind of like that. I liked that the kid got to like help this dude burn his own shit to the ground. I thought that was a poetic. That was really good. I enjoyed that. Oh, and then the final loose end that they need to to wrap up before they can get him out of the country and go to Cabo or something is they're like, hey, isn't there some final loose end? And he's like, oh yeah, that, that bitch at the hospital all right i'll go finish her off and so specifically ethan says it yeah like ethan has is the one who suggests hey did you say that there was a loose end like ethan tells him to go point like kill his sister Uh uh-huh you know the final the final moment this part of his growth is he's now also willing to put women in danger in order to save danger exactly he's gotten over his anger at the fact that this woman has been beaten is willing to tell this person is, to is go willing to use her, her as bait. Yeah, I That's was sort of hoping. I was kind of hoping that like the guy would get to the hospital and it would be Fee in the bed, and like she would, you know, so the sister was never actually in danger. But I mean, no, the yeah. sister was legit in danger, and the cops yeah, and, like, like catch him like just was, in time. Yeah, like literally, he shows up like with like death medicine and a syringe. <laughs> yeah, and, something like, he's gonna put in her IV. In. Cops burst in and grab him before like he can do it. But like that's it. There's like no safeguards. Nope. Yeah, they just just all. they're hoping that the timing works out. Yeah, like that's it. And it's not even like we gave him. We gave him like fake medicine, like fake poison that was actually fine. Like, no, he had poison. Yeah, he had straight poison and his sister definitely could have gotten killed. Exactly. <laughs> but it's all fine because as Ramsey's getting perp walked out of the hospital, Ethan walks by in a little lab coat to prove like, ooh, I was in on this. Fuck you, dude. And that's it. He doesn't actually even get to punch the guy because he's fully no. now turned on to spycraft over violence, which we learn in exactly. the next scene because Ethan comes by the loft to let Michael know that he's actually going to go meet with those CIA recruiters. So I guess you've really made an impact on me, dad. Uh, I mean, Michael. So that's fine. Uh, we also learned the sister's going to be fine and Ramsey's having a bad time in jail. So everything, coming up aces. Everything's coming up Michael Weston. It might be that this woman <laughs> could be pretty again. She, she, she They're going to do their best. The best do her doctors in the world are going to try to make this girl beautiful again. Otherwise, what the fuck is the point? Um, <laughs> so everything's coming up Michael Weston there. Everything is not coming up Michael Weston or sort of is because Michael heads to his mom's house to learn about the tape. I, there's like a very brief scene where he goes in to talk to Pierce and is like, oh yeah, I got the the tapes. I'm looking through them. I'll have a report for you tomorrow. And she's like, great. And so Michael goes to his mom's house to help her look through security footage. And Maddie's like very anxious when he gets there. And she's like, what the fuck is happening? You have to tell me. And he explains it a little bit. And then she shows him why she's so anxious. And it's because it kind of looks like Michael Weston is in there buying a burner phone. So uh oh, now they don't just have like, like someone framing michael they have like a guy impersonating him yeah and like i feel like madeline's reaction is like weird here well she they, we really got to sell the drama of the final beat exactly you know and so she has to be upset like but like what is what does madeline think is happening i think probably she she's thinks- like are we trying to cover up a crime you did or are you trying to uncover a different crime because either mean, way it's that's unclear fucking how you. much information that she like has yeah the only thing that i think we really see is like you just need to look through these um tapes and write down anytime somebody buys a burner phone like write down the timeline or something so that we can look back through them yeah but yeah they didn't tell know, her like- any information for some reason 
Yeah. Because of the drama, Chris. The drama. Like, I was, like, thinking, like, I mean, like, ob- the obvious choice is to have, like, Michael be on the footage. But, like, the way she was reacting made it sound, like, so much worse. Like, it was going to be Nate on the footage or something. <laughs> Wouldn't that been, then have been hilarious that they thought that they were setting up Michael Weston, but it turns out they're setting up Nate? And then Michael oh just God. goes, oh, well, that's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. What if they had hired Nate? That would be great. Anyways. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. Dun, dun, dun. I thought it was a good final beat, but I agree that the Maddie beat. reaction was very strange. A lot of the, yeah. like, women in this episode, um, well, really all of the women in this episode, like, were they were kind of like Uncanny Valley versions of themselves because of the way, like, the thing that they were trying to do with this episode. Yeah. Wasn't a huge fan. Not a huge fan either. It was a it was a bummer because the last episode by these two writers was the um the really cool like hurricane episode. Right. Yeah. I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was great. I did too. And I do think there's good things about it. I mean, there was the golf skeet shooting. The golf shooting was good. It was just like this. I think there was just a lot happening in this episode, and like they had to set up Pierce, and they had to set up like all of that kind of stuff going on. Um, and the like the episode itself had a lot going on because it was like this kid is sort of like baby Michael Weston and there's a scammer and then there's a bad boyfriend, but then it's actually the boyfriend is just a little bit bad and not the kind of bad that we thought there was just like, it felt like there were so many scenes in this episode that were just like perfunctory. We are in the hospital now. Oh no, it's personal. We are at meeting with Pierce. Yes. Get me the tapes, Michael. We are at a meeting with this guy. Like it just, we never really got to like sink our teeth into anything because every, there was so much going on that like, we just didn't have the uh, real estate to talk through anything or to have like interesting character motivations. We just like had to go from scene to scene to scene to scene to make sure that we got it all done in time. That makes sense. I didn't have that problem quite as much. I think I also have less of a problem with that kind of storytelling. I mean, I would too if like the overarching thing felt well put together and it just sort of, it was very scattershot and recapping it, you really start to notice like, all right, then this scene happens a little bit and then this scene happens a little bit, you know, like you're, when you're really keeping track of like how many tiny little scenes make up the greater puzzle of the episode, it becomes like, wait, (laughs) what was the point of that? I mean, like sometimes that's how you plot things like sometimes like you do really short scenes that like establish a thing really quickly and you get out like yeah but they're like they they, a lot of them seemed unnecessary and like we could have we didn't need the hospital scene like we already knew it's personal to this guy we don't need to see the beaten woman (laughs) to like establish that we could have that could have been subsumed by a longer more interesting version of a different scene we didn't need half of the pierce interactions that we had even though i know that's your that's probably an unpopular opinion on this podcast but like those could have been phone calls you know it's like honestly a lot of these scenes felt like when you're you work somewhere and like this meeting could have been an email like, that's how I feel right. like about a lot of these scenes. That makes sense. Actually, we're talking about the quality of the episode, but we should talk about spy tips first. Okay, sure. Let's do that. So uh, there, there's some okay spy tips in here. There's six that I wrote down. We'll see if you like all of them. The first one is a murder weapon that implicates you in a crime you didn't commit is a secret best kept with 4,000 degrees of burning thermite. So the burning I... thermite burning down a weapon was something that I thought might be useful. I was, yeah, I watched that. I was like, oh, I've never seen someone do that before. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was like legitimately like, oh, that's useful. That is a good tip. Yeah. And we know what degrees to put it at. So perfect. Yeah. The next time you and I murder somebody, we'll when have a much your, easier time. you setting your thermite. 
Be sure how... to turn the knob on your thermite to 4,000 degrees. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Number two, whether you're kidnapping a ruthless dictator in a foreign country or snatching an abusive boyfriend off the street, it's best not to leave a mess behind. Using your target's own car as a getaway vehicle keeps neighbors from asking about the missing owner. Plus, you don't have to pay for gas. I liked this too. Yeah, that was a good tip. Yeah, this is a clever bet. I thought that was clever. Number three, when bugging a watch, it's easier to use a good-looking knockoff than an authentic counterpart. And not just because it's easier on your wallet. And the insides of a fake timepiece are usually smaller and simpler, leaving more room for a listening device. As long as your target isn't a watch connoisseur, zinc alloy and cubic zirconia are a great way of saying, let's be friends. No, that makes sense. I think, like, the fact that, like, the insides Huge were smaller, is true. like, made it. Yeah, exactly. Like, otherwise I would be like, no, but... Actually, that does make sense. Because, like, especially considering, like, lots of things that, like, are more expensive are li- literally have useless metal in it to make it heavier. Yeah. Like, the, uh, be- or don't Beats headphones have a bunch yeah. of, like, unnecessary garbage because it, the heft makes them feel fancier? Yes. So, yeah, that that's useful. The next time we bug somebody before we murder them and melt down the gun, we'll use a fake watch. All right, number four. In certain neighborhoods, posing as a dirty cop is a great way to confiscate information. It gives you the authority that comes with a badge and invokes the fear that comes with bringing a criminal. I mean, that makes sense. I yeah, mean, I, like, the, the way that they explained that was like, oh, that's that's clever. I like that. Yeah. No, that, actually, that tracks. Like, yeah, being a dirty cop. Yeah. It's f- faintly horrifying, but yes, it does track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, number five, protecting a target from a bullet sometimes means taking a few shots at them yourself. A near miss puts the target on their guard and keeps the real gunman at bay. Uh, yeah, no, I'm fine with that one too. We've kind of seen this one before. This is the one that was borderline for me just because we've definitely seen them. Like, remember the episode? I don't remember who. It was somebody that we've seen before. There was a client that they had to shoot at because the client was about to go into a bombed or a, like a rigged building or something. And like they shot yeah. at him. So, like, we've kind of done this before, but, like, I guess we haven't... Uh, and also, we kind of did this in the the episode with the cop, the, the undercover cop, where Michael is shooting at him badly so that the other guys around him couldn't get off a shot. I don't know why I'm arguing against my own recap. I don't know. Um, I, just, I just wanted to present that, like, that was my hesitation. Objection to it. Yeah. I know, because I'm looking at this one, I'm looking at the next one, and they're both kind of borderline. Mm-hmm. And stuff we've seen before at this point now whether or not this episode passes on this on this rule depends on how how mean we want to be well so i'm going to read the next one and then we can adjudicate from there so the sixth spy tip that i thought might be worthwhile is a soldier on the battlefield would never dream of intentionally putting a dangerous weapon into the hands of an enemy but as a spy sometimes the only way to solve a problem is trusting a bad guy to do exactly what comes naturally and if you help with the plan you know exactly how to make them fail so i thought that the last sentence there was like sort of the linchpin of this is like hey if you have to like if you need to just sort of rely on a bad guy to be a bad guy, the best thing you can do is at least get involved with what their bad guy plan is so that you know, you know, at what point is going to be easiest to stop them. Yes, I do like that. It also, I wonder if we've seen that before. Yeah, some version of both of these, like, I'm sure we have. There was another like one that like was straight up. Betra. Yeah, there was another uh, one that was like a good spy tip, but had definitely been seen before. So I cut it before we even talked about this. But like these two felt... New enough, maybe specific yeah, enough. Yeah, I don't know. What if we consider both of them? Since we aren't a hundred percent sure if these are spy tips we've seen before, each of them counts as half. So we here's get... my thing about that though: is that like, if we think one of them is not quite right, I mean, like, 
I mean, we think both of them are good. It's what the the concern seems yeah. to be that like we may have seen them before, but we cannot confirm nor deny that. Cool. You know what? You're right. Let's do that. Sure. Okay. So it has uh, basically five practical spy tips. So it passes there. Uh, (laughs) Do they solve the weekly crime with spycraft over violence? That's the theme of the episode. So yeah, the whole dang theme. Um, (laughs) Is there a memorable alias? So he doesn't Um, have a name. However, he does Molotov the guy's car within like the first five seconds of meeting him and plays golf skeet shooting. That is really good. I did enjoy that. Like, those are two very specific weird things. And there was a memorable name, just not his. (laughs) Yeah, Jesse had a memorable name. Michael had, I don't know, a little bit of psychosis. I liked it. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, there were enough details about this guy that, like, they weren't things that Michael was doing. And usually, I think, when we decide that an alias is distinct, it's because of, like, the character work by Jeffrey Donovan. I think in this case, the details surrounding the alias are what made it memorable. Like, I'm going to remember the fucking golf skeet shooting forever. And the Molotoving the dude's car is a pretty strong opening move. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like that. I agree. I'll give it. Okay, cool. So there is a, a distinct alias. So we've already gotten there. But let's see if we can go all the way. Are at least two supporting characters used well? So does Fee get to blow something up or get to be the protagonist? No. Doesn't she? Well, she like she gets to do her, her, her explosive chemistry to burn the gun down. She does get to do some thermite. I, do, I don't know if that quite counts. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's not an explosion. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's fair. And right. I don't want to, and, and I don't want to give this episode. The only explosion that happens was not at Fee's hands; it was at Ethan's hands when he helped the guy torch his house. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, does Sam get to be pre- peak Bruce Campbell? He does get to talk about his lady friend's accommodations and lend them to the team to he does like that use car. Yeah, he gets like real creepy about the car. And he's like really great. Uh, and he is part of the skeet shooting scene. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the skeet shooting scene was extremely funny. Like, just like the wild eyes look on his face as he like, oh, yeah, shit, and he's really got to shoot the golf balls. You know, I think I do have to give it. That even is kind of like, peak Bruce Campbell. I wish, I wish he had been better about the other thing. But yeah. Yeah, I agree. I also wish that they'd let him just be Chuck Finley. Like, he was obviously Chuck Finley. I don't know why he didn't get to call himself that. I assume that he is Chuck Finley. I think if anyone had asked him, he would have said his name is Chuck Finley. That's true. That's fair. Okay. Was Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? I think, I think yes, Jesse's based on the thing that you said. into his new role. Yeah, yeah. I, like, based on the thing you said last week about how, like, his thing is that he has legit access and money. You know, he, he used his little special technology to get them the phone number. He, his cool new car was used as collateral. That's clearly the thing that they're doing with Jesse now. Yeah, And also, he got to be Fast Eddie. He did get to be Fast Eddie. I mean, and Michael would have been Fast Eddie had he not been there, potentially. But... Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. So that's at least two. But finally, does Madeline either get a genuine emotional moment with another character or get to be part of the case of the week? She's not I'd part of, well, she's part I'd of the- I'd argue both. Like, yeah, she's part of the, the spy case of the week, the she's uh, part of CIA the spy case. And I she does have that like little- that scene. I don't know. We've given ourselves a wiggle word here with genuine. <laughs> Felt really forced to me. But like, I'll 50-50 it. Like, yeah, that's fair. Because yeah, she she's, like... she's not technically part of the like procedural case of the week, but she is part of the macro spy case. Yeah, I'm willing to 50-50 that. All right. Yeah, go ahead. We don't need her to because we've already, this, this episode already passes. No, but like, I want to be fair. 
<laughs> we are scientists after all. So yeah, exactly. uh, three of the supporting I'm characters wearing a were used well. <laughs> so that means that this is this is officially a great episode of Burn Nados. Now, is it a great episode of television? No. I will say, again, to a much lesser extent than the one from a couple of weeks ago. Like, I do is one that proves that you don't just need themes. But I do like, I like when an episode of Burn Notice is about something. Even if in both cases so far, the thing it's been about is like weird about women. Yeah, it's so like, that's the thing. Is it like, why are you deciding? Why have you decided that the stories that you want to tell are just being weird about women? I don't get it. But like, I I did appreciate that. I like and I like the idea. I like the concept a little Michael, little baby Michael that Michael has to teach. Like I like that. Um, Even though we've literally seen it before with a much younger yeah. client of the week. I mean, yeah, because like that time it felt kind of absurd, whereas like this time it feels a little more natural. That's fair, but like, agreed that it's not a great episode of television. But it's not. But a it's great it's a fair. It's a good episode of television. It definitely didn't yeah. live up to my uh, high expectations of their last writing gig together. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely a little bit disappointed. I expected better. I had hoped for better. Yeah. You know, I I, I mean, thought I that feel like, like that episode <laughs> that we like the thing that we liked about it was like the sense of like place, not necessarily the plotting. I didn't mind the plotting. Yeah, but it wasn't like great plotting. It was like standard Bruno's plotting. Like the thing I thought, that made it I nice thought that was... it was a it was a elevation. I liked that episode better than you did, also. So like that's also fair. Uh, but I don't know. I thought I did a good job. I also worth mentioning that Michael does eat one yogurt in this scene. Yes. in this in this yeah. episode, uh, there there it's at the second stakeout where Michael and Ethan are waiting for the boyfriend to show up, and Michael's like. Well, in here, you know, Afghanistan, blah, blah, blah. But here you also get yogurt. And he like holds up a yogurt and eats it. Yeah. He brought a yogurt to a stakeout, which has to be the worst possible food to keep in a hot car. My God. How much you want to bet that Michael has like a cooler? He's got a yogurt cooler. (laughs) He's got a yogurt cooler. He's definitely got a yogurt cooler. I love that for him. Michael Weston loves one thing and it's yogurt. (laughs) So yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoy that we're getting more yogurt play recently. Yeah, that's true. I, love, I don't like yogurt play. <laughs> you don't want to take a, a yogurt bath and all this yogurt play and then play Ugh. with yogurt with someone else. What if Ugh, what if no what if Agent you. Pierce played yogurt played with you? Would you like it then? No, thank you. <laughs> that's not your kink. It's not my kink. All right. Well, we're learning new things every day, friends. And with that, there's really nothing left to say but to thank Vincent EL for our theme music. You can find more about Vincent at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until next week, bye-bye. No. What? No, no, no. It's not my kink. <laughs>